Shalom. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Emmaus Road Fellowship, where we encounter Yeshua in the scriptures. Check out our website at walkingemmausroad.org, where you'll find additional teachings and information on visiting us in Kingwood, Texas. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving to support Emmaus Road's mission of spreading the good news of the kingdom. May God grant you shalom in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. All right, so this week our portion is Akev, which is because. I was thinking about it, it's like your parents tell you to do something, you say, why? Because, because I said so, right? But the parent has a good reason most of the time, right? And so in this case, God is telling the children of Israel to listen to his voice, to hearken to his commandments, because he's desiring to bring forth or uphold his covenant with them. And so today's message, I feel like, is proving the heart. And we're going to start reading in Deuteronomy 9, 1 through 5. Hear, O Israel, you are to cross over the Jordan today to go in to dispossess nations greater and mightier than you, cities great and fortified up to heaven, a people great and tall, the sons of the Anakim, whom you know and of whom you have heard it said, who can stand before the sons of Anak? Know therefore today that he he who goes over before you as a consuming fire is the Lord your God. He will destroy them and subdue them before you. So you shall drive them out and make them perish quickly, as the Lord has promised you. Do not say in your heart, after the Lord your God has thrust them out before you, that it is because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me in to possess this land, whereas it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. Not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart are you going in to possess their land, But because of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God is driving them out from before you, and in order to establish the word that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So here in this passage, the Lord is telling the children of Israel that it is not because of their righteousness that they are going to go in and possess the land. Rather, it's the wickedness of the nations that are currently there that is causing them to be driven out. In fact, within this week's portion in Deuteronomy 10, verses 10 through 11, the scriptures say that the children of Israel had merited destruction. It says, Moses is speaking to them, he says, I myself stayed on the mountain as at the first time, 40 days and 40 nights, and the Lord listened to me that time also. The Lord was unwilling to destroy you. And the Lord said to me, Arise, Go on your journey at the head of the people so that they may go in and possess the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Now this this translation here, the way it reads, um, when it says the Lord was unwilling to destroy you, it sounds as though Moses was asking God to destroy the children. At least that's the way I just read it. But he was actually praying on behalf of the children of Israel that God would forgive them and restore them and uphold the promises to them rather than destroying them and having that be a profaning of God's name. So if the nations, so if the nations didn't merit the land and the children of Israel didn't merit the land, then what, why does God need to put anyone in the land? It's kind of a, a question there, right? Why, why is it that someone needs to be there? Can it just be left desolate? 
I mean, there's even times that the prophets speak of the land of Israel being left desolate. But, but yet God was saying, you didn't, you didn't merit this. They have merited destruction. I'm taking them out and I'm going to bring you into the land. And it's because God has a, a purpose that he wants to carry out. So when we read there in verses 4 and 5, he said, Do not say in your hearts because of my righteousness. Rather, he says, It is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart. But he says that it was for the purpose of, of God upholding the covenant. Um, yeah, here in this translation it says, And that he may confirm the word that the Lord swore to your fathers. In others, you may see that I may establish the word, that I may uh, raise up or cause to stand the word that God had spoken. And so here we have established, God saying that he's going to establish his word. And specifically in the Hebrew, it's hakim et hadavar, which is the hakim comes from this root word kum, which is to arise or to call, cause to stand. Okay. Um, and, and with various conjugations, it can mean establishing, fulfilling. Um, but essentially, the God is saying, I'm going to bring something forth of this, of my word and of the covenant. And there's a parallel to this statement in Deuteronomy 8, 17 through 8 where he says, Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth in order to establish his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So he speaks of causing his word to stand, causing his covenant to stand, and really establishing establishing those through what he's doing. And so... We see a couple of things in these two passages that we just read from Deuteronomy 8 and Deuteronomy 9. The first one has to do with God blessing the children of Israel with increase. And speaking specifically in this case about their wealth. And he notes that it is not their strength that causes the increase, but rather it is the strength that God gave them is what matters that brought forth the increase. Okay, and the purpose of him giving them the strength to create that wealth was for the purpose of establishing the covenant. And then the second in Deuteronomy 9 was about God giving the children of Israel the land. Again, not by righteousness, but in order to establish the word that he had spoken. Okay. Um, So when we see this, we see that there is this increase. There's also a time that God speaks about when he's talking to Moses in the past uh, couple uh, portions that we read. He's talking about how the children of Israel are now as many as the stars of the heavens and that God has brought forth his promise to multiply the offspring of Abraham. And now he's getting ready to fulfill the promise of bringing them into the land. And those are two key aspects of the covenant with Abraham to increase one, to give him offspring and increase it, and then to give his offspring the land. And so we might say, well, perhaps that's what the establishment of the covenant is. Now God's saying, I'm establishing the covenant because I'm completing this with giving you a people and giving you a land. But I don't think that that's the fullness of 
what the covenant promise was given to Abraham. Those are key aspects of it, but it's something much greater. And the greater part is the mission that God is putting a people together in a place together to go forward and accomplish. So the people, the children of Israel, are now a great people with land, and they have this potential to influence the world. But that potential has to be something that becomes realized in order for God to really establish his word and establish the covenant in its entirety. And the mission is actually to bless the nations. So in Genesis 22, 15 through 18, this is after the binding of Isaac, after Abraham's hand had been stayed. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. And this, this last sentence here is, in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. That's the key to this mission that the descendants of Abraham are being given. That's the, that's the greater purpose of the covenant that is being expressed. And he says, it's because you have obeyed my voice. Now, when he says this to Abraham, he says, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Akev, you have obeyed my voice. He says, because you have obeyed my voice. Well, Akev should sound a little familiar because that's the name of this week's portion. And so, and we see the word Akev used twice in this week's portion and a total of five times in the Torah. Twice with regard to Abraham, twice in this portion, and then once also with the, with the faithfulness of Caleb. But in Deuteronomy 7, 12 through 16, where our portion opens up, this is where it says, And because, and Akev, you listen to these rules and keep and do them, the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the steadfast love that he swore to your fathers. He will love you, bless you, multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, your grain and your wine and your oil, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock, and the land that he swore to your fathers to give you. You shall be blessed above all peoples, there shall not be a male or female barren among you or among your livestock. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which you knew, will he inflict on you, but he will lay them on all those who hate you. And you shall consume all the peoples that the Lord, Lord your God will give over to you. Your eye shall not pity them, neither shall you serve their gods, for that would be a snare to you. So he's telling them of the great success that they will have because they listen to his voice and that he will be able to uphold and establish the covenant. One is the blessings of the people to be able to continue to produce wealth with their strength, to prosper in the land that has been given to them. And then, of course, then ultimately that they could actually fulfill their purpose because their purpose is so much more than just increasing in number and occupying a land. That's too small a thing for the people of God 
because it's not all about them. Right? They, are, they, they matter. They're important. They're integral to the plan. God loves them, has great purposes for them. But the purpose is so much more than comfort. It's so much more than being chosen. It's the chosen for a purpose. And that purpose is a great redemption. Right? And so they're really to be a light to the nations and hope going forth. So then they're called to be a light and they have potential to be the light. Okay, but that potential to be the light has to be something that is brought forth from them. When someone lights a candle, it's not put in a place where it cannot illumine the whole house, right? The light has a purpose, it has potential, but there's something that has to be removed such that it can, so that the light can spread, right? And I'm just thinking of this because later on in, in today's portion, in Deuteronomy 10, we see God saying, circumcise the foreskin of your hearts, right? Remove the barrier that is on your heart so that from a place of purity of heart that you can serve the Lord, and then you can walk in your purpose. But as long as that barrier is there, there's something inhibiting the work of God in you. Just like if you light a candle and you put a, a lampshade over it, well, there's less light that comes out. The light is still there, but it's hindered from having all of the impact that it could have on the room. So, so, so too, when our heart has barriers or is, is bound up and, um, with, the, with the flesh, um, with our desires or with things we've given ourselves over to, that hinders our ability to actually realize the potential that God's placed in us. And so his desire is that all those barriers be removed, that we can then not only be healed, not only walk in freedom, but then actually to go forward in the purpose that he's given to us. So he calls us to walk in the faithfulness of Abraham, to walk in the faithfulness of Yeshua, and when we do that, he promises to pour out the blessings. And the blessings poured out on us are for the purpose of enabling us to go forward in that mission, right? So how is it that he helps us to circumcise the foreskin of our heart? How does he help us remove the barrier that keeps us from fulfilling our purpose? Well, he tests us, right? In Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 10, we see this. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble, <clears throat> that he might humble you, excuse me, testing you to know what was in your heart. See that? Okay, let's read that again because this is important. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out, 
on you and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. So here he says that he's testing to, to humble and to know what is in your heart. A question that should come up here is, does God not already know what's in our hearts? He knows all things. All things are laid open and bare before him. So is he really seeking doing this so that he will know our hearts? or that we will know what's in our hearts. Okay. Because I think the way I, the way I think of this is there are two things. Well, there's probably more, but let's go with just two for this matter. There is a heart that God has given you. And that heart that he's given you is his plans and encapsulates in this, in this uh, picture. It's like his idea of who he's enabled you to be through the regeneration that he's given you by the Spirit to make you a new creation. He's given you a new heart, a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. And that heart has the capacity to go far beyond anything that you dream of or think of in your natural flesh. It's, it's who he's made you to be. But the reality is that the heart that you walk in right now may not look like that heart that he's given you because it still has barriers and things that are in the way that prevent you from going forward. So God says, I want to remove that barrier. I'm at war with that barrier because that barrier is hurting my children and thwarting my purposes in the kingdom. So he says, I'm going to test you. I'm going to bring times of humbling, of trial, such that you will know your heart and your heart will change. Okay, he doesn't bring the testing to leave us where we were. He brings the testing to bring us out from under a burden, out from behind an obstacle that we can then be propelled forward into the next stage, the next plan that he has for us. And you know it's a multi-step journey, right? The process of circumcising our hearts is not a hey once and once and done thing because if that were true then by the regeneration of our spirit by the holy spirit and the renewal of our our heart and mind it would just be done and we would all be working walking in perfection but we're not there yet and so we're on this journey of being tested to bring our heart into alignment with God's the heart that he has purposed to be in us and it's there it just needs to be revealed just like we've said that all creation is, is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. Well, guess what? We've been made the sons of God. Now, are we walking in the fullness of that calling? Is that potential realized within us? And that's what God's wanting to call us to. Call us out of where we are into the potential that he's given us. You know, when you have, uh, as an illustration, 
I wish I, I, wish I had brought an illustration, right? That'd be kind of cool. But when you think physics, right, you have kinetic energy and you have potential energy. A ball that, if I was holding a ball in my hand, which would be really cool right now, it would have potential energy, okay? But until I release it, that energy is not realized through the movement, the kinetic energy, okay? So my hand would be holding it back and then I would drop it and then you'd see the gravity work and it would go, it'd be cool. So maybe next year. Yeah, you can see it good. Good illustration then. But I was thinking too about within all of this, you know, the, the journey that we go on and, and the trials that we face, the humbling, the testing, it's, no, it's not really fun, you know, um, <laughs> because it's a test, it's a trial. It's something that's transformative when we allow God to work in us to bring forth his change. And I, I was thinking about the movie Karate Kid. Not the new one. If you're thinking about the new one, forget it. Go back to the, you know, 80s or whatever it was and go back to, uh, yeah, the original one, you know. Um, but I was thinking about Daniel's son. And he wanted to learn karate, right? And so he finds Mr. Miyagi. And Mr. Miyagi agrees to teach him. And so Mr. Miyagi starts telling him, hey, come over. He starts giving them all these assignments to clean up his, his, his cars, his fence, his deck. And Mr. Miyagi's got a pretty good deal here, right? So he's always showing Daniel, here's how you do this. Okay, well, you're going to wax on and wax off, and you're going to paint the fence like this. And he goes through all these different things. And just, I don't know how long goes by, but a lot happens that looks really nice. I'd like a backyard like that. And anyway, so... Daniel is getting pretty frustrated. He's getting worn out, bent out of shape, and he's not seeing anything that's productive. And he comes to the point of being ready to quit. He's like, I'm trying to learn karate, and all I know how to do is be a handyman now. And so he's ready to quit and walk away. And that's when Mr. Miyagi's like, wait, hang on. Show me wax on, wax off. And, and now the thing is, in the movie, Daniel goes, yeah, wax on, wax off. You know, he's like, whatever. Right, which is totally what our attitude often is, right? Of the whatever. But then he, he, Mr. Miyagi takes him and he shows him, no, do it this way and do it that way. And then he begins to show him that he's been teaching him all the fundamentals of karate that will make him be a, an excellent fighter. He's shown him the techniques that he needs. And so all this time that Daniel's been doing this work and thinking that it was all just to, for Mr. Miyagi's benefit and none for his, has really been the time of his humbling and his testing and preparation for what was going to come about. He couldn't see it, but Mr. Miyagi knew it. And when the time was right, he revealed it, right? Who would have thought that that could have been turned into a message up here, right? <laughs> but it's, it's, the, it's the same story that we walk through. We see through a veil. And oftentimes, sometimes we don't even see. It's just totally opaque. You know, we're just like, I have no idea what's going on. All I know is this is difficult. And God, do you know that I'm here? Do you see me? Do you hear me? And he's like, yeah, I do. And at the right time, I'm going to reveal it. But what I'm asking you do, to do right now is to hearken to my voice. Listen to my voice and follow, even when it doesn't make sense. You think you're just painting a fence. 
No, I'm building something in you. I'm building in you something more than just like the skill of the movement. I'm building character in you. I'm building perseverance in you. I'm tearing off the barriers of your heart so that you can go forward to greater levels than you ever could have if you'd come up with your own self-help plan. And there's plenty of self-help plans out there, but the true self-help plan is the Word of God. His Word spoken to you by His Spirit and His written Word, right? And the words that He speaks to you through other believers, right? Hearkening to His voice and following it. And in in time, in God's time, we will understand what the purpose was, and then we will begin to see the fruit. The thing is not to lose heart, but to continue to trust and walk with Him each step of the way. And with the aspect of, of the after a test comes a promotion, right? When you cling to God, when you trust Him, when you hold fast to Him, listening to His voice, and you pass the test, then He moves you in to the next phase. If you don't pass the test, He doesn't say, whatever, you're gone. He says, okay, we can do that again, because He's patient, and He's kind. He's a God of second chances. I can't tell you how many times I've missed the first, second, third. I don't know how many times. Where, you know, you may have to go through the, through it multiple times. But God is faithful to not leave you, but to come and meet you and walk with you at each step of the way. And His tests, He put to get, He puts them together not for the purpose of causing us to fail. He puts them together so that we will succeed, overcome, and move forward. Now, the enemy, on the other hand, does not want the test to succeed. The enemy will come in and try to throw all kinds of wrenches in the way in order to impede, in order to strengthen the barriers that are, and obstacles that are holding us back. Even back in Genesis, when we talked about the story of Abraham on his way to the Akedah, um, according to tradition, there were three times that the adversary encountered Abram on the way, Abraham on the way to keep him from offering Isaac up. And that's part of the test even, right? To be able to discern what is the voice of the Lord versus what is the voice of the adversary? What is the voice of me? Right? So we have to, we have to work on that. We have to train our spirits to know what His wisdom is. And so he's giving us these, these tests for our good, to do good for us in our end. Actually, I, we're about to read that scripture. Deuteronomy 8, 11 through 16. There's a warning in this passage. He's, he's just talked about the tests that come, and, and we discern that these tests are for our good, to promote us, to bring us forward into the next phase. And that the blessings will be poured out on us. But as we do, he's saying, do not become complacent with the comfort that you're given, with the blessing you're given. Because the blessing isn't just for your comfort. It's to 
allow you to, to move forward. He says, take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. There it is. The humbling and the testing is for your good in the end. Now, when there's this warning of these cycles that take place, of you come in, I bring you into the land through this trial, and you've now overcome, and now you're in a place where you have land, you have security, you have your wealth increasing. And he says, do not forget that you never could have done this on your own. Do not, and he goes through and he lists, look at the wilderness, the water from the rock, the manna from heaven. He's like, you couldn't do it on your own. Don't ever fall into the trap that you've done this or that you should just sit back and now relax and coast. Instead, continue to press forward and hearken and know that all these blessings, all this goodness is from God. And it's his desire to do that good for you. If he didn't, if it wasn't his desire, he wouldn't do it. But it's, and it's also his desire that you not fail when the blessing comes. And hence we have this warning. Because God knows that if, if we allow success to bring us to that place of pride, complacency, that the, the potential within us will not be realized. He knows that would happen. But he desires that we would not fail, but that rather we would continue in preparation and that the preparation that he brings us through becomes profitable. Because it's, it's one thing to have, you know, like, let's say that you go through the tests, you pass, you, you're growing, barriers are being removed, but you don't do anything with it. Well, again, there, the, the, the preparation is not productive. And so, so God wants the full package there. And the full package there is the, him establishing his word. Him establishing his word and establishing his covenant with his people. And it's the same, you know, what we're talking about with Abraham and the children of Israel. It's just a smaller picture of what we have in our relationship with Yeshua, the life that we have through him. Because He's taken us, given us this new heart, given us the spirit to lead us and guide us so that we can hear his voice, follow his leadings, such that we can have everlasting life and relationship with him. And that's all wonderful. That's exciting. That's, that's good. But he wants it to go further because then there's a mission that is given to the bride of Messiah. There's a mission given, and that mission is to walk as a light to the nations, to partner with the children of Israel 
Jew and Gentile working together to bring forth kingdom purposes on the earth and transformed lives. So he's seeking our changed hearts such that the potential would be realized in us. And our hearts, our hearts are challenging things, right? We've, we've talked in the past about how the heart is not really the seat of emotions, but it's the seat of the intellect and really the core of our, of our being and, and how we walk things out, it's how we think, how we process, what drives us. Um, certainly, you know, heart can be aspects of emotion as well, but it's really about um, our, really the thoughts and our ideas and our perspectives on who God is, who we are, that then translates into the action that comes forth from us. In Luke 6.45, Scripture says, The overflow of the heart, the mouth will speak. Right? In Matthew 3.8, The overflow of the heart will produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And in James 2.18, The overflow of the heart will demonstrate our faith through works. So all these aspects coming forth, being demonstrated. In Psalm 139.23-24, the Scripture says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. That's a prayer that we need to be frequently bringing before God. That He would bring revelation to us of our hearts so that we can see the transformation, so that we can walk in greater levels of life with Him, in greater levels of authority and power in His kingdom, not for our own greatness, but for the blessing that it becomes to the body of believers and to those who need hope in this world, who need to see the light of God in them. And so, you know, we, we spoke about the circumcision of the heart from Deuteronomy 10, 16. And this removal of the barrier is much like what we see in Romans, 2, Romans 12. And I know I just have verse 2 up here, but I actually want to read more. Um, so I'm going to go over to Romans 12. I have failed the sword dr drill this morning. This is way too much flipping. Where is Romans? Okay. Okay, so Romans 12, verse 1. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. That prove what the will of God is. Right? The proving what His, what His will is, is seeing the potential that He's placed in you being realized. And so the transforming of our hearts and the renewing of our minds is what allows us to go forward and to prove his good 
and acceptable and perfect will. So the prayer for God to reveal to us what's in our heart is key. And then also walking, walking in repentance. Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, nor take your Holy Spirit from me. What a beautiful prayer of repentance that David offered up. And the thing is, we have a loving and forgiving God. Just as he will allow us to retake tests so that we can overcome, so too he forgives us when we come to him and repent and brings restoration and sets us on a good path, on a good footing. You know, we started out talking, God told the children of Israel, it's not because of your righteousness that you're going into the land. It wasn't their perfection that brought them to a place where they could continue to work out their salvation in fear and trembling, to work out the transformation that God was doing. He said, I'm bringing you here, and now I'm wanting you to, for to circumcise your hearts to remove these barriers. He's like, it's still a process. The key is hearkening to my voice, listening to my voice, so that that process is successful. And so when we stumble, when we fail, we pray, and God forgives, just as, he, as we read earlier in Deuteronomy 10. God forgives and sets us on a good path. In Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 22, the scripture says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples as you are this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him, and by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. It's beautiful, and he, and he notes too, even in this passage, about God is beyond bribes. He's beyond anything that, you're, that you might try to do to sway him. And he executes justice, loves the, the foreigner, and calls his children to love the foreigner. That's the part, too, that's required for being a light to the nations. If they don't love the foreigner, they can't be a light to the nations. If you don't love your brother, you can't be a light to your brother. And so we have, to, we have to have that as a key aspect of how the mission is accomplished. And because we heed the voice of the Lord, 
because we listen to his spirit and walk in his ways, we'll see God establishing his covenant throughout the entire earth. Nations and peoples changed and brought out of darkness into the light. Amen. Does anybody have anything that you wanted to share? So the verse, um, Deuteronomy 8.16, it says, test you to do you good in the end. Okay. And it made me think of, of James 1.13 where he says, God does not test you. So I was like, okay. So I looked in the Greek and it's actually it's not exactly the same word, but it comes from the same root word. So Septuagint, right, comparing it, it's, mm -hmm. it's the same word that they're using. So when James wrote that, or it's got translated in Greek, they use that specifically thinking of Deuteronomy 8.16. I'm thinking, why Why would you say this? If an, You're using literally the same word where it says God does this, and then you're saying God does not do this. But obviously we have multiple meanings to the same word depending on the context, right? Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about this. And there's this, because um, in John 6, also it says that, that the master was testing Philip. So right there, even, even within, this, you know, even in the New Testament side of things, it's a, there's contradiction, right, supposedly. Yeah, there's, um, I remember having looked at this in the past, it's the difference is tempting for the purpose of failing versus testing for the purpose of overcoming. And that's ultimately the distinction between James and what's happening here. Um, yeah, God does not tempt you to fail. with sin. Right. He tests you to overcome that which you are prone, already like prone to fail, you know, that you uh, have been hindered by, right, that, way, that has held you back to get you out of it. Yeah, the, yeah. the way I saw it was, it's the intent, right? You may fall in both times, mm -hmm. but the intent of one is to show you where you have failed so that you can lean more on him or to show you where you stand with him and you need more of him, right? It, the, the, it may look the same. You failed in both sides, but in one, the intent is good in the end, while the other, uh, the end is the means. <laughs> the purpose for you was to fail and that's all there was to it. Right, right, yeah, the so, tempting, right. Right, so I mean, the appearance in both might be the same. You might fail in both, but in one, the purpose was only to fail. The other one, like, we might only see failure, but God sees the end road, and he's like, no, I have success for you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the, the purpose that he's desiring to be brought forth. And we have Paul, oh wait, we have Trish, it was Trish, or no? Oh no, okay, I saw you walking forward, okay, sorry. I was just thinking as we were reading through this and reading this last night at home and reminding, I put something on Facebook this week about just a reminder God had shown me years ago, God's love is not a um, pampering love, it's a perfecting love. Because reality is we're not going to put ourselves in a situation most of the time and go, yeah, let me just, yeah, I, I really just want to change this because I know this is a problem and I just need to fix it. I mean, we're just not going to do that. Most of us are going to avoid that with anything we can because we want to do the things that are easier. Mm -hmm. It's like the water's traveling downstream. It takes the road, the, the, the easiest way to get down, the less resistance, and that's what we do in our life. 
And so if it wasn't for God doing that to show us those things, we're not on our own most of the time going to do that on purpose. There's, there's too much pain in it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like a, you know, as a coach and also as a many played an athlete for years, if the coach wouldn't have pushed me, I wouldn't have done other things. Yeah. I wouldn't have gone to that next level and been better. Mm-hmm. I just wouldn't have done it. Right. You know, it's like, ah, I'm all right here, here. And, and that's what God was telling them to do. And then, of course, later on, you see in, jo- in Joshua, he warned them, those people that are going to be your snares, if you don't do what I say, they, those things you're talking about today, those things we need to get rid of, we're not going to do it. And that's what happened when they didn't drive them out. Though That was their, their snares and traps and whatever. And instead of driving them out, they said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to trust God to do that. So we let some of them stay. And, of course, we know how that worked out. Yeah. Same thing in our own lives. So. Yeah, you know, personal trainer, when it comes to working out, makes a huge difference because you will be much easier on yourself and not achieve what you could do without somebody coming along. I was actually telling David about that the other day. We were talking about weightlifting. And if, if you've ever had a spotter, you know, and you're, you're, you're do, trying to like bench press and you cannot move and it's just stuck, the spotter puts their hands there. They don't even touch it, but you think they did, and it just goes right up. It's, it's because you think you're done and you can't do it, but then suddenly you're like, oh, they took it. It's like, I didn't even touch it. I just put my hands there. And it's that encouragement that it's a renewing of the mind, truthfully, in that moment. You're like, I see it differently. I actually see that I can overcome now. And you do, right? And so, yeah, there's, there's so much to being able, and and one of the things about trusting God it's being able to trust him because he's so faithful and so loving that if he's bringing you to a test if he's bringing you to a, something that is challenging then you can trust him to bring you through and not just bring you through but to bring you through transformed right and so there's a there's a submission there's a humbling there's a dying to self but there's this just faithful tr- there's just this trust that, that God is worthy of in our lives. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your kindness toward us. Thank you, Lord, for your purposes that you've placed within us. Thank you for the renewal of our spirits and our hearts. Lord, I ask that you would bring us understanding of our hearts, that barriers would be removed, that we would be able to move forward into your plans and purposes for our lives, for your kingdom, that you'd be glorified, Lord. May we be able to prove what is the good and perfect and acceptable will of, of you, Lord, in this world. Um, we thank you for the words you gave us this morning. We thank you for the words shared all around. Uh, we bless you, Lord. We thank you and we ask these things in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this message, please consider sharing it with a friend or family member and help us out by giving a review on iTunes or other podcast platform. Check out our website at walkingemmausroad.org for additional teachings and information about visiting Emmaus Road in Kingwood, Texas.